this you just don't get, huh? Lord, let me know if you got us. Preaching about profit. It ain't no one man can stop us. Bow down to a goddess. Bow down to a goddess. Bow down to a goddess. It ain't no one man can stop us. Bow down to the goddess. Hello and welcome to the Strong Women Power Half Hour, your podcast and radio show to encourage, educate, and empower you on your path through womanhood. I'm your host and women's empowerment specialist, Kelly Hickey. I'm the director of Strong Women Co., a company designed to help women be their strongest, happiest, and healthiest selves. We have one-on-one programs. Oh, how much do I love to work one-on-one with women? I see them blossom. It's wonderful. we got online workshops and more. Uh, and we, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for daily inspiration and motivation. And of course, you can join our free online sisterhood. Uh, that's a Facebook group and connect with women all over the world. I'm uh, going to be more active on that now. Got a lot of cool plans for Strong Women Co. coming up. Of course, all those links are in the show notes. Am I talking too fast today? I think my coffee just kicked in. <laughs> Sorry, guys. This is what coffee does to me. Uh, so just make sure to subscribe to our podcast and please share this. Uh, if you think that this is a topic or a show uh, that uh, another person would find interesting or helpful, encouraging. Because that's why I'm here is to encourage and support um, all of those women uh, out there who are are doing their best. You're strong women. And, you know, uh, I am just constantly amazed at, you know, what women put up with in general (laughs) and what women endure and how women seem to rise above uh, so many challenges that are literally incomprehensible, really, to wrap your mind around. And I'm also amazed with how much amazing work and how much amazing healing women can do with the smallest amount of encouragement and support. So it is such an honor and a pleasure to do this work. And my, my soul uh, honestly sings when I, when I I, uh, get to participate in a woman rebirthing herself. What an honor. I'm so glad to do this work. So uh, I used to talk to you guys. I used to say uh, Newfoundlander and Canadian coming to you from the Netherlands, but not anymore because we moved back to Canada. And of course, we are now in New Brunswick and it's very nice here now. Uh, The buds are out. Everything's getting lively. There's so many different cultural events. Uh, The weather has been amazing. This place I'm in now has 500 more hours of sunshine a year than the place in the Netherlands I was at and I could already uh, just feel what that what that does Uh, so uh, I am so happy to be talking to you again Um, I was planning to get this podcast out last week but I uh, it's this is a podcast on mothering and I want to talk a little bit about self-mothering as well and last week I needed to take that time to self-mother and I very much I mean soothe and just kind of see to my needs and I really tried to uh, walk, walk the talk. Is that how you say it? Yes. Um, and uh, uh, to try to fill up my own cup um, because I know I'm so much, I have so much more to contribute and I can, uh, my energy and uh, what I, I can give to the world is so much more uh, sustainable when I do listen to myself um, like that. And and it's part of the process too because this, this topic is um, it's a little delicate uh, for a lot of us. Uh, with mothers and mothering and motherhood and what that means. So we'll get into that in just a minute. But before we get into it, I mean, I think you can probably hear it from my voice. I could handle a couple of breaths here today. Yeah, that caffeine really did kick in. Okay, I'll just lay that there. Okay, so let's take our shoulders 
away from our ears and just kind of notice any place in our body that has tension. Let's roll those shoulders up to our ears and then back. Wiggle your fingers and let them stay still. Wiggle your toes and then stillness for them. Relax the space between your eyes. Close your eyes if you can. We're going to breathe in nice and easy through our nose with a hold. Here we go. Hold. Let it out through your mouth. Another one just like that. Breathing in through your nose. Hold. Feel the stretch in your lungs. Let it out. Take a couple of nice, even breaths here. Notice how two breaths, just like that, can already calm you down. I already feel a bit calmer. We're going to do our big third one here in just a minute. All right. I want you to think about gathering up any traces or pieces of you in your past, at the store, different conversations, comments online, any traces of you you feel like you left behind. Let's just try to imagine and bring all those together because you are whole. Repeat after me, I am whole, I am here, I am, say your name. <laughs> All right, nice big, 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 big breath in through our nose, stretch out those lungs as much as you comfortably can, and let it out with a big sigh. <sighs> All right, let's do this. <laughs> All right, for the topic of this show, let's celebrate all the mothers and don't forget the self-mothering. All right, let's uh, let's get into a perspective where we can kind of uh, think about this word mothering in a more multifaceted, uh, you know, more more rooted in reality uh, idea versus this patriarchal kind of very concise, very limited idea of mothering. So I, I want to introduce some cool new ideas about this. Of course, uh, I'm doing this now right before uh, Mother's Day, but this is May and this is also so that May is like Mary's month. And of course, Mary in uh, Christian um, uh, ideology, mother of God, um, I've since kind of reclaimed Mary <laughs> through various experiences and my own spiritual journey. So that, you know, uh, I think Mary was the ancient goddess that Christianity kind of um, just kind of kept around. Uh, uh, but it was, of course, a goddess that uh, most of the world, all of the world, as far as we know, um, worshipped uh, instead of the male god of Christi Christianity, uh, Judaism, and Islam. But uh, so May is very, very mothery kind of energy. And of course, it's interesting that Mother's Day um, in uh, a lot of, much of the world, not everywhere, Mother's Day happens in different places, but uh, here in uh, North America, um, it is definitely in May. And so, you know, mothers, you know, of course, we think of your traditional kinds of ideas with mothers of little kids and then, you know, clean the dirt off the face and <laughs> all the things that mothers do. And, uh, you know, biological mothers, the life givers, right? Literal life givers across, um, all the, uh, our plants and edibles, you know, we got, we got a lot of mother, mothering energy. And even, even in plants, you know, there is, uh, the female parts that, um, uh, that, uh, with, after fertilization turn into seeds and, you know, mothers are also, you know, the idea is nurturing. 
and uh, you know you can nurture plants, you can nurture a project. There's there's this giving care and attention to, as I think what nurturing is, and I think that's kind of really what kind of mothering um, is is that that guiding, loving, um, giving uh, special attention and care too. And you know there's also this beautiful universality of we all have a biological mother. We all came from a woman, no matter what. Science has not figured out anywhere close how to usurp our magnificent power of um, having a baby um, uh, grow in our bodies. That doesn't mean um, that we know our biological mother. It doesn't mean that we are biological mothers, but there is some kind of cool continuity uh, of the, the mother, the woman line going down. And that's why we're all here, you know? I, I sometimes joke... To my husband, uh, shout out if you're listening, honey, <laughs> uh, about, you know, like we need women to continue on. And, you know, if he's being annoying or, or um, being funny and I say to him, how many of you do we really need? <laughs> like how many men do we really need to continue on? So we really need mothers is kind of being the point, biological mothers to continue on um, with the life. But then we also need, beyond the biological, we need the nurturers. Um, and they may be biological or not. Uh, the nurturers of the next generation, the nurturers of the current generation, the nurturers of, of society and um, of, of nature and, and you know uh, our growth and all of these things, the caretakers. And of course, we have Mother Earth who gives us everything we need to live and thrive. Um, and I think like sometimes we are not so great to our mothers, but we're being not so great right now. Or, And, uh, you know, I find it very interesting that we, we don't call it just earth. We call it mother earth. We put that, that title in, even in our very patriarchal kind of ideas. Um, the earth was always seen as a mother. And for me and a lot of people who follow goddess spirituality and earth-based spirituality, mother earth and goddess, the goddess, our synonyms. So I love that kind of connection of like Mother Earth is so real and she gives us everything, but also she's the goddess, you know, and so that incorporates and it encapsulates, encapsulates so many different kinds of uh, beliefs around, um, you know, the the esoteric world of kind of what does that mean of the mother energy, but then also like the very real mother reality we get from Mother Earth. But, you know, I'd love to know what what does uh, mother mean for you? What, is the, what does being a mother mean for you? I, I will admit. Um, it's still a bit of a precarious word for me. I use it kind of delicately sometimes. Um, I will be honest. Uh, this episode took me probably 10 times the effort and the energy uh, and the time to create than other episodes because I'm healing and working uh, to heal and process my own mother wound. Uh, like a lot of us um, in this world. Um, so I'll, I'll be honest uh, with that. It was a bit was a bit tangly at times. And again, part of the reason why I needed to have my process where I'd have an idea. I've, I've rewritten this show a couple of times, uh, but I am like really happy where it landed now. And it's like one of those things when you're creative, when you're finished, you're like, of course, this was always the way it was supposed to be. So just like acknowledging the process of the work, the process of healing, uh, which this even creating this episode uh, for you wonderful listeners was extremely healing for me um, uh, to pull in from different ideas. And I, um, this is what I'm hoping for, for you to plant the seeds of healing and growth in your own nurturing um, and your, your own mothering and, and also appreciating just the parts of society that are reflective of what we consider mothering to be, you know. 
mothering and nurturing leaders are also synonyms uh, to me. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just wanted to briefly just be honest to uh, do the, the uh, self-disclosure thing where uh, we have these ideas uh, from society about being what a mother looks like and what it means. Of course, it's so much pressure on being a mother where it seems like you can never ever by society be considered a good mother because <laughs> there's always some failing. And doing the gender uh, comparison, it's like so easy by society standards to be a good father. And it's extremely frustrating. And it was not a game or it wasn't a, a thing that I necessarily wanted to participate in um, as a child. Like I never ever thought I was, I, I was going to be uh, a mother. It might be uh, have a small fact that I was told I wasn't going to be a good mother, uh, but that's uh, that's something uh, that I have been healing um, with uh, for a long time, and I'm pretty good. I know that that's one of those things. Like I, I can have a lot of self doubt in a lot of ways, and I know I'm not a perfect mother, but I know I'm a good mother because I really try. Oh my God, how much do I try? How much effort am I putting into thinking about and preparing for, and and also um, you know apologizing when I think I've maybe stepped out of line of from what the kind of mother I want to be is and how that allows for healing. So, so much going on in that kind of area of healing when you really kind of dig your, dig your toes into the sand uh, on that one. But, you know, so for that kind of reason about society telling us we have to give up so much. So it was one of the reasons that I never wanted to be a mother, you know, society and media told me I had to give up so much to be a mother. It was also the reason I think I didn't want to ever get married. <laughs> young ever uh everyone was so surprised when um I said that I was engaged to Justin uh so like society and media told me I had to give up a bunch so I, I I was like nah no thank you I'm an ambitious woman I got things to do I like participating fully in society all those things the second reason uh, I was kind of worried or, or kind of worried it's really playing down personally terrified about being a mother was uh I was afraid of passing down the cray I was afraid of passing down the multi-generational trauma patterns um, that I had experienced in, in uh, my family uh, and my parents had experienced in their own families. And it goes on and on and on. It's, it's very clear when you start to kind of um, uh, analyze different kinds of patterns of behavior. And passing on that cray, that multi-generational trauma, was the last thing in the world I ever wanted to do. And because uh, I never wanted anyone to feel like I had been made to feel uh, as a child. So even in my 20s, I went to talk to just to get information on uh, getting my tubes tied in my 20s because I was petrified of, uh, of having um, a, a child of my own. And honestly, uh, I only felt good about it. And, and you know, my, my child was very planned. Um, and uh, I only felt good about it after finding the right partner. And, uh, before that <laughs> I'd never met any person, uh, before my husband who I wanted to, to be tied to for the rest of my life. So, uh, sometimes it's a person thing, uh, even if say, if you're a, a younger person and you were like me, you're like, never will I ever be a mother. Um, sure. Yeah. That might, that might be true for you in the traditional sense. Maybe you won't, or, or maybe you will. Uh, and I'm kind of just a proving case of you can change your mind, uh, given some time. And then also I, I, I also did years of diverse kinds of therapies to heal and stop the multi-generational trauma patterns. And uh, I remember I, I like so many different uh, uh, body, body work, different uh, talk therapies, uh, psychoanalyst, like so many different kinds of Reiki, uh, 
acupuncture, uh, homeopathy, uh, my God, I'm forgetting, uh, myofascial release. So much different work, just trying to release the, the, the pain and the, that I would, so that I would not then give that to uh, a future child. And I remember talking to one of my, uh, therapists at one point, my healers about how this was my goal. And she was like, uh, well, clearly you've, you feel you're, you, you're ready now. You've done so much work. And her just saying that, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I am. Woo. And that was a hugely, uh, a freeing and humbling experience, um, in itself. But I was convinced to say, uh, the cray stops here. <laughs> the cray stops with me. There'll be no more cray one way or another. Either I won't have children or, um, I will do so much work on myself that, uh, I will have enough self-awareness to uh, stop the pattern. And if I am guilty of leaning into it from time to time, I also give myself permission to apologize for that and correct that behavior. Because I think that's really what's key is we cannot be afraid to do the things in fear of. We can always know that we can apologize and correct behavior. People love apologies, especially if they are meaningful. So we shouldn't be so afraid to make mistakes, I think, is what my older self would say to my younger self. But so much of mothering is leading and guiding and soothing. Uh, just uh, the other night, um, Violet was crying really hard um, in her room and I heard her. And, you know, sometimes, of course, I swoop in. She's getting a bit older now. And, you know, sometimes you just need a good cry. And so I just, I just let her have a, like a, a longer of a minute than I, than I had been when she was tiny, just to kind of like see what she would do. And, and, uh, and when I came in, uh, and I held her and she said, um, uh, she was like, oh, you, you just made me stop crying just by cuddling me. She was like, oh, I can't believe you made me stop. She was like, I was trying and I couldn't stop on my own. I guess, you know, when you're on that, that kind of, uh, spin out and I was just like, oh, right. Yes, of course she was there, but I didn't know. You don't know these things sometimes, but Violet's so good at talking. And so my body had helped her body regulate. Uh, and, uh, sometimes we need that help, you know, um, and to, to, to just get into that kind of, uh, uh, be in a space or a vibe or touch someone to help, uh, regulate. And as my husband says sometimes now, cause I've talked to him about this for myself as well. And if we don't get uh, a lot of cuddle time or something, he'll be like, come here, I co-regulate you. <laughs> and it does help. And it is nice just to have that another person touching you and holding you in, in, a, in a nurturing um, way. And it reminded me too of um, in the, uh, one of the podcasts last week of We Can Do Hard Things with Glennon Doyle. They were talking about this fancy doctor uh, and he said, even with all of my degrees and accolades, I think at least half of the people who come to see me do so to sit in a room with someone with a regulated nervous system. And I was like, oh yeah. And I just thought about how badly I want to be a person with a regulated nervous system and I'm getting better every day, but I just want to be that calm force, that calm vibe and energy. And I thought about the calm people I've known in my life, uh, all women, all, all wise, um, loving, just kind of have seen the world and love it anyway, kind of, uh, energy. And, uh, I, th I was thinking about just us trying to figure out how to regulate our nervous system being so much uh, of what mothering is. Um, and, you know, it's mothering is so much about nourishing and encouraging, uh, and, uh, all, all of the great leaders have this nourishing, encouraging, uh, you know, traits, great leaders, they get you excited, but they also put you at ease. 
where, you know, there's a plan. They help you to trust in the process. You're not freaking out. And that's the difference between progressive politics that's filled with hope and yes, we can do better, but you know, we're going to do it together and versus conservative politics, which is driven by fear that, you know, someone's trying to take something away from you. Someone, you need to protect yourself from all these bad guys. It's a totally different uh, vibe. And I would agree. I, I would uh, uh, state, I don't think any conservative is a good leader that I've seen in modern times. Of course, conservatives are very different now uh, than they were even five or, or 10 years ago. But going back to what a great leader is and what, what mothering is, and there are many ways to be a mother. Like I said, a uh, synonym to being a mother is a nurturing leader. Um, and uh, we need a lot of mothering <laughs> as humans, you know, even if you want to look at comparing us to other animals, like babies to children to adolescents, like that's a long time. That's the longest time out of all of the animal kingdom to raise to um, ju a, a juvenile or an adult that they could live on their own. You know, sometimes uh, babies only getting a few weeks or months uh, or even days uh, or even not at all with their mothers uh, to learn and grow and be protected as they, you know, learn to hunt or, or uh, get the food they need. And so as humans, we need in general a lot of mothering when we're young, but I don't think that stops. I think we are very complex, emotional, social beings and that bond uh, of, of mothering, even if it is with yourself, that, that someone's going to show up for you, that someone's going to help you, um, is, is very crucial to human um, happiness, human uh, if being healthy and happy. And, you know, this whole self-mothering thing, it is emotional regulation, sure. And it's also taking care of you. I've decided to kind of, uh, I, I like to try in different words excuse me, sometimes, um, and, and see how it feels because we have put so much meaning on these different words. And so instead of self-mothering, I've, um, decided to start calling it self-momming. And I think that's because I was playing with the word mother. I was playing with the word mom and the word mom is it's so beautiful and warm uh, to me because that's what Violet calls me or she calls me mama a lot too. And I really like, I really like that. So instead of the, the kind of like more traditional former mothering, self-mothering, I'm going to start calling it for myself. Maybe you can try on the word, see how it feels. It sounds a little silly, but sometimes that's what makes it work a little better too. Um, yeah, I'm going to be calling it self-momming. <laughs> because that's the level of care and intimacy and dependency I'm talking about. You know, like that little kid, like mom. You're not just mom. You know, uh, your, your moms are... Are, uh, have this connection uh, and, and you know there's something to take care that, that will take care of you you know hopefully and uh, you know mothers when we get older we might say yes mother or whatever but the mom part I'm talking about is is that care intimacy and dependency uh, you know and I'm talking about that you need to take care of you and you having that care and intimacy and dependency like knowing that you can depend on yourself with yourself because no one else can ever take care of you in the way that you can. And that's the truth. And I'm not saying you can't lean on others. I'm not saying you can't ask for help. Of course, do those things. That's what makes life beautiful and worth living is having uh, connections and community and all of that. But there are just some things like making good decisions for yourself. Small as, oh, I'm going to go to bed now instead of watch another hour of TV or... Uh, I'm going to eat this healthy thing because I know I, that will make me feel better. 
So just having that kind of inner mom, maybe that's a better thing, your inner mom. And it's not your mom, it's you and how you would mother you. And I think that, you know, having this idea of mothering and momming and loving yourself in that kind of way where um, our society is not so good with self-love, so sometimes it's a little easier for us to absorb it as a concept if it can feel a little outside of ourselves, or at least that's where we could base the concept in. So if you can imagine how you would mother, uh, you know, a six-year-old version of yourself, like that's that's who your inner child needs you to be right now. Um, and, uh, you know, to show up and be the person that you wanted around when you were a child. Like that is, that is self-mothering. That is the inner mom um, showing up for you. And it's, it's such a beautiful process. Um, but let's not pretend it's, it's easy, you know, particularly if we need a lot of self-mothering, it might be because we didn't get or don't get, maybe our mother passed or had to leave or various things. But uh, and that's one of the things that I also really appreciate for my own spirituality, which has gone into goddess spirituality of, of yes, understanding and learning about different goddesses of the world. It's fascinating. I love it. And they show up to me in different ways. And it's, uh, you know, such an, uh, pleasurable experience to go and learn about these different goddesses but beyond that all these different goddesses are kind of just different shades of the same goddess vibe you know um and just different parts of the goddess and what is the goddess it's this loving motherly energy or planet that is uh that loves us and wants the best for us and even even if you, you scoff at it be like oh i don't believe in any of that okay isn't it nicer just to kind of think of it and feel it <laughs> to be like, Hmm, there's a loving motherly energy, uh, that wants the best for me. Like that's for me, that's a better way to live, uh, than thinking I am out doing all of this on my own. <laughs> that is a little stress inducing, but I wanted to also talk about, uh, the non kind of biological mothers and, and, you know, mothers of movements in particular, uh, I've been thinking a lot about lately is doing a bit of work, and, you know, the mothers of movements may not have had any human or biological children, because if they did, they might not have been able to be the mothers of these different movements. And it has been women leading all of the social progressive change we've ever had uh, in our history, as far as we know, everything from uh, the environmental movement to the peace movement. I'll talk to you now in just a moment about uh, to, you know, ending child labor uh, animal rights, uh, any of these things have all led, been led by women, uh, some of which didn't have their own biological children. And then because they didn't have their own biological children to take up that time and energy, um, they were able to fully, uh, you know, commit themselves to these causes. You know, top of my head right now, I'm thinking Gloria Steinem, you know, like um, uh, what a mother she has been to so many young feminists and and, uh, you know, maybe she wouldn't have been able to be as active for her whole life, uh, because she has been active for her whole life, if she had someone tiny to take care of, right? You know, and then, of course, on the other side, uh, you know, for the mothers who do have children, it can feel stress, and I certainly do feel that myself, of, um, you know, wanting to have to do your own work, wanting to contribute more positively to the world and be a leader in that kind of way. And, uh, you know, Violet is my, my priority and my legacy, uh, right now. And it won't be forever. That's what I keep telling myself. She's already seven. Sorry. She's already so much more independent, you know, um, every day. So I'm trying to enjoy this time 
and I know I'm contributing to our movement, our women's movement, uh, our peace movement, our environmentalism movement, um, in a lot of ways, uh, where I'm teaching her and showing her, um, including, uh, I did a writer's workshop, uh, the other uh, week and I even got a newspaper here for it. So, uh, I feel like that's the kind of contributions that I'm really digging into right now is real person to person, uh, things around things that I'm, uh, very interested and passionate about. But specifically, I, I just want to uh, talk to you and end the podcast about uh, this one particular mother of uh, the suffrage movement out of um, uh, New England area. And her name is Julia Ward Howe. She was born uh, 1819 and she died 1910. So you can imagine, <laughs> she died 1910 um, and she was fighting essentially her whole life. Imagine what her life was like you know, being born in, in New England. I can't remember if it was New Hampshire or Boston. That's where her main areas of life were. And so 19, eight, uh, 1819, she was born. And I have a book uh, about her life that was written by her daughter. It's so cool. Uh, it was published in 1913, so before World War I. So just to hear the ideas that, that came up before World War I, I have to keep reminding myself, like, oh, the war hadn't happened yet. This is why she's saying this. And I got it from a, a little rare bookstore in St. John, and I'm just, like, so thrilled uh, when I found it. Um, and it's really particularly beautiful um, because it was written by her daughter. And so you can kind of there's a there's a beauty and knowledge and intimacy um, of her life and her passions and how she thought about things that I don't think could have been captured um, from any other kind of um, author but uh, so Julia Ward Howe uh, she experienced almost half a century as a leader uh, in the advancement of, of, of women and uh, you know it's uh, beautiful to be a feminist icon but it also meant she wasn't around as much as other mothers and when talking about uh the painstaking work that she did from the countless interviews and calls and letters and just always always doing the work uh her daughters sometimes fretted this is a, this is a quote uh written by one of the daughters she said her daughters sometimes fretted because so much of her valuable time and strength were spent this way in the fight, right? But it's ultimate that um, uh, the daughter understands <laughs> the value um, of the work she did was far beyond, um, you know, missing some uh, dinners or whatever. That doesn't mean that it wasn't hard. It doesn't mean it wasn't a, a difficult decision. Um, so I just want to just read you this little quote from um, this amazing woman, Julia Ward Howe. Um, and she says, Sometimes I feel as if words could not express the comfort and instruction which I have come to me in the later years of my own life from two sources. One of these has been the better acquaintance with my own sex, meaning better acquaintance with womanhood, being a woman. The other, the experience of the power resulting from associated action on behalf of worthy objects, meaning doing good work, doing good things. The new domain now made clear to me that it, that of true womanhood, woman no longer in her auxiliary relation to her opposite man, but in direct relationship to the divine plan and purpose as a free agent, fully sharing with every man the human rights and every human responsibility. This discovery was like an addition of a new continent on the map of the world or of a new testament to the old ordinances. 
So this is the, she's shaking off the patriarchy. <laughs> and she's like, whoa, I've spent time with women and we're amazing. And getting to know us and myself has allowed me such comfort and and wisdom um, and for us to be like, actually we have the same, should have the same rights and responsibilities as men in this world. Like that being a new continent. And I, and I truly, I truly love that. But I bring up uh, this amazing uh, mother and, and leader, and you can imagine her, how difficult her life was to be a suffragette in the New England area um, in the 1800s and how uh, much resistance she, she faced. Um, and uh, I think, honestly, she did a lot of this work after her husband died, which is a lot of how women start to do uh, their own thing uh, because then they get a little bit of money and independence and freedom. Um, and uh, when women get that, honestly, uh, a lot of really great things happen. So one of the very cool things, uh, learning about Julia Ward Howe and how she worked and how she got so many things pushed forward uh, in her lifetime uh, she never actually saw the uh, women get the vote, but um, it happened shortly thereafter uh, she died. Um, and she wrote about that as the promised land, which was very beautiful. But what was really cool about her work is she was called the mother of clubs because she just couldn't help herself in um, starting up clubs for women. And so this is women groups of, uh, you know, literary, art, gardening, fashion, uh, you know, history. So women would get together and, you know, uh, they'd have tours of, of museums. They would discuss books. So it was women getting, coming together. And it was from those women's clubs that were seemed so inoculate that these ideas of women's equality and women's power and women's suffrage, being able to have a vote uh, in the democracy, uh, that's where these things uh, came from. It's amazing what can happen when you put a bunch of women in a room um, and uh, you teach them to read or, or you read together and, and you share these uh, really beautiful ideas. So from all of these clubs and all these meetings with women, she learned so much and she learned about the hopes and ideas and dreams of, of women. And uh, then she uh, kind of even took it a step further. Um, and so I will say, uh, you may not know this, but Mother's Day was started by Julia Ward Howe. And I'm going to tell you how now. This is me reading from the book. Uh, the book is called Julia Ward Howe and the Women's Suffrage Movement, written by Florence Howe Howe. So this is the book. Not long after the Franco-Prussian War, my mother undertook a peace crusade. The question forced itself upon me. This is, this is her mother talking. Why do not the mothers of mankind interfere in these matters to prevent the waste of that human life of which they alone know the cost? She devoted two years almost entirely to correspondence with leading women in various countries, having first issued an appeal, translated into several languages. In the spring of 1872, she visited England, and held a Women's Peace Congress in London. Can you imagine? She took the whole boat over there, whips all the women up for a Women's Peace Congress in London in 1872. How, the, the presence of mind of this woman. Okay, back to the book. While the undertaking did not prosper so well, she had, as well as she had hoped, it had some success and helped pave the way for the modern peace movement. In connection with this crusade, she instituted the Festival of Mother's Day, for the advocacy of peace doctrines. It was celebrated the 2nd of June in Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, New Haven, Rome, 
Constantinople, and elsewhere. The observ observance of this day was continued for a number of years in Boston, and even longer by the Peace Association of Philadelphia. The Mother's Congress of our day owes their origin to this crusade in the seven countries. Oh, sorry, in this crusade in the 70s. When she second 70s, she means 1870s. <laughs> My dream was of a mighty August of Congress of Mothers, which should constitute a new point of departure for the regeneration of society by elimination of the selfish and brutal elements which have led to war and bloodshed. So she's saying, mothers of the world, unite in peace. Let us not leave these matters to men anymore, because clearly they do not understand the cost of life. The strength and courage of this woman, is she not an inspiration, <laughs> right? Uh, I now want to just read you the Mother's Day Proclamation, um, and it was written by Julia Ward Howe in 1870. So this is the proclamation that she got women uh, leaders and uh, all over the world, mothers all over the world to sign. It was an appeal for women to unite for peace in the world. Uh, and it was her uh, appeal to womanhood. She saw womanhood as this kind of idea of uh, us having the responsibility and the care and the awareness and the wisdom um, uh, to make better decisions than those who do not understand the value of those things. And uh, it's a, it was a pacifist reaction to the carnage of the American Civil War and the Franco-Prussian War. And the appeal was tied to uh, her feminist conviction that women had a responsibility to shape their societies at a political level. All right, here we go. This is the original Mother's Day proclamation written by Julia Ward Howe, 1870. Excuse the, the 1870 language, but I'm going to try to stick as close as possible to the actual proclamation because it's very powerful. Arise then, women of this day. Arise, all women who have hearts, whether our baptism be that of water or tears, say firmly, we will not have great questions decided by irrelevant agencies. Our husbands shall not come to us reeking with carnage, reeking with carnage for caresses and applause. Our sons shall not be taken from us to unlearn all that we have been able to teach them of charity, mercy, and patience. We, women of one country, will be too tender of those of another country to allow our sons to be trained to injure others. From the bosom of the devastated earth, a voice goes up with her own. It says, disarm, disarm. The sword of the murder is not the balance of justice. Blood does not wipe out our dishonor, nor violence vindicate possession. As men have often forsaken the plow and the anvil at the summons of war, let women now leave all that may be left at home for a great and earnest day of counsel. Let them meet first as women to bewail and commemorate the dead. Let them solemnly take counsel with each other as the means to whereby the great human family can live in peace, each bearing after its own kind of the sacred impress, not of Caesar, but of God. I would say goddess. In the name of womanhood and humanity. Isn't that so good? In the name of womanhood and humanity, I earnestly ask that a general of Congress women, without the limit of nationality, 
be appointed and held at some place deemed most convenient to promote the alliance of the different nationalities, the amicable settlement of international questions, and the great and general interests of peace. Wow, right? Wow, the audacity, the, the brilliance, the power, you know, for her to say, our husbands shall not come to us reeking with carnage for caresses and applause. Like, we cannot celebrate these things, you know? And mothers of one nation, we must, we should be too tender to allow our sons, because, of course, uh, it's still to this day, it's mostly men in battle, to allow our sons to be trained to injure other sons. Like, we must stop this. We, 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 we can stop this as women. We have this power and this knowledge. And and this is the beginning of, of Mother's Day. And it, it didn't continue on uh, exactly from then, because it's kind of like a lot of things in movements had to... Uh, bubble and, uh, and and develop and, and be pulled out uh, further, but let us never forget that the first Mother's Day, um, sure, it was about celebrating mothers in the way that it was about celebrating humanity and nurturing and caring and being uh, in collaboration, not competition, and being in partnership, not domination. It was about peace. It was about stopping this insanity of hurting one another and instead having the courage and, and having, oh, I don't even know what the word is, the giant ovaries enough to be like, enough. So Mother's Day started off being about creating a better, more peaceful world, a world of generation, regeneration, not destruction. Let's make it about that again. Let's celebrate all the mothers and the nurturing leaders. Happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers. Happy Mother's Day to everyone who nurtures and loves and gives. A happy Mother's Day to the beautiful mothers of the different movements that we have all benefited from. Particularly this amazing woman, Julia Ward Howe. Happy Mother's Day to her. And may we learn from her and her work and create a better world filled with much more peace. And now for the featured song of the show. Um, this is a super fun song. It's one of Violet's favorite songs to put on and jam out. She asks for it when we're driving a lot. Uh, it's by Megan Trainer, of course. Uh, you may know her. She kind of rose to stardom uh, in 2014 about all about that bass, that bass, right? That's her. Um, she is an American singer-songwriter and television personality. And this is a super cute song. There's even like a sampling. It's called uh, the Mom Song, or pretty much it's called Mom. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. And uh, there's even a sampling of like a phone conversation in the middle with her mom. But uh, it's really cute of like saying like my mom is the your mom might be the bomb, but I get a better mom. And it's just real sweet sweetness. And Violet uh, loves to sing it at the top of her lungs. And then when Megan Trainer is talking about how uh, great her mom is, Violet says, my mom's better than yours. <laughs> it's so sweet. And encouraging and loving and um, uh, exactly what uh, you kind of dream of hearing uh, your daughter say uh, from such a cute song as this. So I wanted to share this with you. Uh, if there's any little kids in your life or big kids, uh, maybe send it to your mom um, if you guys are in a good place. And maybe send it to your mom friends um, or someone who's about to be a mom or something. So uh, I'm going to leave you with this adorable, sweet 
song, uh, maybe you'll put it on your playlist um, like we have in a bunch of my friends after I pointed it out. Mad mega love to you. Uh, talk to you soon. Give yourself that self-momming, that inner mom. She's there. She can take care of you. Make those good, hard decisions. Uh, and in the meantime, give yourself a big dose of mad mega love from me to you. All right. Take it away, Megan Trainer with mom. You might have a mom. She might be the bomb. But ain't nobody got a mom like mine. Her love's till the end. She's my best Nobody got a mom like mine She's my world, she's my heart And there's no denying I'm her girl, no matter what Even when I'm lying She loves me, loves me, loves me, loves me, loves She loves me like nobody else I'm telling you, telling you, telling you, telling you all She taught me how to love songs.